0: Eat, sleep, movie, repeat. repeat. A podcast on all things movies with Brent Harbour and industry insider Ross Churchhouse. G'day, Ross. Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Movie, Repeat. We're into another week. That rhymed. (laughs) What are you doing? You're dying. (laughs) All right, so we need to talk about uh, our predictions first. Five nights at Freddy's.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, you... um You and I both had a bit of a throw
0: at this, didn't we? So what did you put in for your blood? I think you went high, didn't you? I'm uh, recovering from COVID, so I'm going to use that as an excuse. I can't quite remember what I said, but it was up there. It it was. um, I think think you were like 1.2. I
1: think I went a bit lower, about...
0: Yeah, but the good news is I
1: won because it was 945000
0: Oh, good. That's <laughs> actually a great amount of money, though, for that movie, isn't it? We're all pretty close getting towards a million dollars, so... Yeah, absolutely. Look, nine hundred and forty-five grand for that movie
1: is is really good. I've, I've seen the film. We'll talk about that in a bit. But, yeah, that was a, a good result. And, of course, the other movie we threw a guess on was The Killer. And you went... Low, and I went even lower on this one from memory. And what's happened with that one? I don't know who the winner is, because they, they haven't reported the box office, which is um, frustrating. So so the, yeah, we're left in limbo. So if I find that answer out, I will come back to you. But I've got a good feeling I might have gone two for two on this
0: round. Right, oh, well that's good, congratulations, that's great. <laughs> I'm glad the movie did well, because it was doing okay, um, Five Nights at Freddy's was doing really well overseas too, wasn't it? Yeah, look, Five Nights at Freddy's has been a real interesting result, because, and, and I watched a
1: couple of good reviews on it, and the reviewers were a little bit annoyed about it, because they were saying it wasn't very scary, and I, I thought to myself, well, that wasn't actually the point, the point of that movie was to create a horror film for a younger generation because the people who play Five Nights at Freddy's traditionally are, are younger people you know um, you're talking ages anywhere from seven to sort of 14 15 particularly so I think for that respect the film actually was fine for that for that group so I did actually watch some movies so this week I have been uh, eating and sleeping and pretty much repeating so I watched Talking Heads Stop Making Sense the 40th anniversary uh, of that and I was the youngest person in the room actually which is pretty good bearing in mind it's 40 years old people who are in there 20s and 30s are now in their 60s 70s and 80s you know it's so yeah it was a very older crowd which actually went and saw it which was
0: great and it's a shame because it's such a good concert film and the whole thing's been restored and they've re-released the vinyl which is hard to get it's it's just fantastic yeah i mean it's funny
1: because when you watch it it's almost like a, a deconstruction of a concert as they start out with a completely empty stage and they slowly build the concert around it it's just brilliant really brilliant concept what else did you see So I saw Dumb Money, which I um, was keen to see that film because it was about the recent history, 2020, 2021, the GameStop stock that went absolutely ballistic. And in typical American fashion, when things get tough and the big boys start losing all their money, they start changing the rules. And of course, they they screw over the little guy and nobody goes to jail, which seems to be a, a common trait in these stories where massive amounts of fraud get committed, but nobody ever goes to jail. So, yeah, but it was a good film. I thought it stood up. Five Nights at Freddy's, you, you like that too? Yeah, yeah. Look, I like Five Nights at Freddy's. It wasn't super scary, and I get it for what it was, and it wasn't okay. It was okay film. But, of course, last night was the first screenings of the Marvels. Yeah, so I went
0: along and saw that as well. How was that? I'm at this point with these kind of movies where I don't know whether I want to go or not. Well, look, I think the Marvels is, again, it's... it's it's polarizing.
1: I mean, I'm a fan of the MCU universe, and the first Iron Man movie just really set a bar, and everything else was sort of building from there. And they seemed to get better as they went along. There was the odd filler, but overall, that franchise through their twenty odd films was brilliant, and it ended with Endgame, and it kept, brought that whole brought that whole ten years or so to a, a nice climax. And I think now Marvel have been struggling. They have been struggling to find their feet, and I think that the film. You know, look, again, this is one of those things where you can't really judge a film unless you go and see it. So when you see people on the keyboards going, "Oh, this film's rubbish," ninety percent of them haven't even seen it. So I went along last night. It was entertaining. It was fun. It was short. Yeah, it's 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 um about ninety five minutes or so, hundred minutes. It's it's quite it's quite a short one, but. In a way, I kind of enjoyed the fact that it was short. You know, I was not it wasn't one of those ones where you think, gee, they could have made that 20 minutes
0: shorter. I felt that this one was about the right speed, the right pacing, and it, it came off okay. I like Brie Larson. I thought she was good. I, I enjoyed that movie she was in. It was great. And if I'm honest, and we'll probably use this uh, film as our guest at the end of the show, but
1: I really think that the Brie Larson, I liked her a lot more on this one than I did in the first one, if And I think that... It's more of a redemption story for her. I thought she was good in it. And um, look, the rest, the rest of the supporting cast, the young girl who plays Kamala Khan, you know, Miss Marvel and Monica Rambeau, who's the, um, the niece of Bree Larson's character. Look, I thought that the cast were good. I think the film was okay. And it, look... It, It'll be an interesting result. I I know that I've, and I've been having a good look at this, I know that it's opened to lower than expected numbers in the States with their pre-screenings and it's probably the same in New Zealand. So it'll be an interesting result but I'll, I'll, I'll save my guess to the end. Look, the film picks up about 15 years or so, 10, 50 years after the first Captain Marvel. Obviously, she's out there having an adventure. She's trying to um, help the galaxy. There's been a, a bit of a issue with the Kree who you might remember from the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie with Ronan the Accuser. He was defeated by the power of darts thanks to Fleetwood Mac. You know she's she's had a bit of a thing where she's gone and taken revenge on what they called the Supreme Intelligence which was um, basically the thing that ran her, her group of, of people. and It was how she took her revenge on this thing but it had some unintended consequences and it's destabilized the universe in a way and of course she gets sent on a mission to investigate a wormhole thing that's been linked to this whole pre-revolutionary, and then her powers become entangled with that of Ms. Marvel and Monica Rambeau when they come into contact with a tear in interdimensional space. That's that sort of sets the scene. Uh, it, it sounds confusing, but it's, it's very simply explained when you watch it. And the thing with this is, a lot of people are saying, "Oh, you know, Ms. Marvel's from the TV show, and you know, blah blah blah." You don't really know what's going on. I've never watched the TV show and I found it very very simple to get what was going on uh, you don't have to have watched every single thing to actually just enjoy this film so out of how many Jaffers? look I'm going to give it a three and a half Jaffers out of five I think it's okay it's not going to set the world on fire and I don't think it'll be
0: an Oscar contender but I think it's entertainment we need entertainment absolutely now this next one EO a lot of people have been talking about this this looks very interesting yeah, it's really going to be really hard for me to explain EO, which is frustrating. I actually have
1: to go and watch EO before I try and explain it a bit further. But I could give you the overview from everything I've done the research on. So EO is a Polish film. It's also shot in Polish, but it's also an English-French-Italian with English subtitles. And it tells the story of a circus donkey called EO in poland and his trainer and if you kind of think back to disney movies where dogs were left on the side of the road and go on epic journeys back to the owners this is kind of like that In that eo is after a fire at the circus where he lives and his him and his trainer become separated and eo is trying to go back to his trainer um, but it's not just that story. It's it's a nuanced story that tells the story of EO, but other times it's telling the story from the donkey's perspective, and other times it's talking about the the characters and their interpersonal relationships. So it's it is a very artistic venture. It is rated R thirteen because there are some acts of animal cruelty depicted and there are some strobing effects at the start or at the beginning so there are some if you're photosensitive it you might just be well aware of that but it's a pretty tricky kind of film to quantify I did a lot of research and trying to discover everything about this film and after reading half a dozen different reviewers opinions on this film I was kind of like well I'm not really sure but the one I sort of fell back to was a guy by the name of Douglas Dilliman from um, NZ On Screen, and he basically said that described as an essential big screen experience film. It's a Cannes 2022 jury prize winner and it has all the aspects of a, a great tale. And everybody who, like you said, the buzz on this has been quite big. For a movie about a donkey,
0: apparently it's it's well worth a watch if, if artistic film is your, is your vibe Now I know that my daughter Aiden is very excited about this, she's a huge Hunger Games fan, so The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes Yeah, so this is uh, just a week away
1: now, this opens for first public screenings on Wednesday the 15th I think it's 6pm uh, 6, 6 onwards So we are getting straight back to mainstream cinema after coming off the back of EO I've, um, again, I've done my research I'm on one of the, yeah, that's a terrible line I know it's very cliched these days, but I have done my research on this i have sat down and i re-watched every single hunger game film because i want to make sure i'm up to speed with this so i know what's going on so hunger games started 2012 introduced peter and katniss and the 74th annual hunger games i remember sitting in the theater that i worked at when i this first came out watching it and i was kind of shocked watching you know basically watching children kill each other and I was a little bit iffy about it, but, you know, it's it's not something that we haven't seen before. So at the end of the film, though, I kind of got it, right? I thought, okay, I get it. And then when the second one came out, so this is 2013, Peter and Katniss had to return to the 75th Annual Hunger Games for the quarter quail, and they were, you know... Hilarity ensued at that one where lots more people died hunger games mocking part one then came out 2014 these are the days when movies used to come out once a year and they make a movie and they bring out the next one once a year and that was a fight against the government and then of course hunger games mocking part two because they split that one into two came out in 2015 which was the eventual end of the war and sort of what happened so that was the hunger games in a nutshell for those of you who have not seen it so this one takes place about uh, 65 years before all that so this goes back in time as a prequel and it's set in the years where the um president president snow well he was the bad guy obviously through the first set of hunger games it's when he's 18 years old his family's been through some problems he's fallen they've fallen from grace in the post-war capital the 10th annual hunger games is coming up now he was reaped as they say in the hunger games and was a winner of one of the Hunger Games and he has now become a mentor for a young girl by the name of Lucy Gray Beard and Lucy Gray interestingly enough comes from District 12 which was where Katniss and so there's that immediate link to suggest he's got a beef with District 12 so you sort of connect the dots there as to why District 12 particularly rolls him up the wrong way because there is some history there now The story is basically about how he mentors this young girl, Lucy Gray, and how he also discovers that, you know, the duplicitous side of what the capital are up to, and it really becomes his decision-making process of power over, you know, taking power over personal responsibility and all this. So look, it is pretty interesting if you are a fan of the hunger games films this should be right up your alley because you do know what to expect And i guess the first part of it which is effectively the hunger games themselves but there's a lot
0: more well uh, my daughter as i say is very excited and she's been she's read the books she's got all the behind the scenes things she watches the movies all the time i remember when in 2014 i was in the uk and at the radio stations i was working for we're at leicester square And uh, I was there on the night they were doing the premiere for the movie in 2014. And Jennifer Lawrence and everybody was there. So we are all standing in the radio station looking out at the red carpet with everybody going in. And she was very jealous um, about that. But she's excited to see it. She really is. I I go, is there singing in it? it (laughs) Because... <laughs> That's the thing that could stop me going to see it. Look, I, I have heard there is some singing
1: in it. A friend of mine uh, went and saw it the other day, um, previewed it, and uh, I have heard there is a small bit of singing in it. But I don't think it's a musical by any standpoint. Oh, good, yeah. Um, and look, it's been 11 years since the first film, eight years since the last. And what we have seen with a lot of these prequel films and a lot of these films that come out very quite, quite a long time after a series is that they don't necessarily have the audience. You know coming back to them. So yeah. it'll be an interesting interesting to see how this film goes. I still think though that um again, Hunger games when it came out, we're talking about eleven years ago. so the age group who were going to see it primarily were say seventeen to twenty. It was a big, a big core audience, and so those people, uh, you know, are now in their 30s and 40s, so it'll be very interesting to see how those people come to the movie and, and if they bring their kids to the scene to film.
0: Yeah, oh, well, I think so because Aidan, she's 23, so you know, when she was seeing that, she was a lot younger, yeah, you know, reading the books first and all those kind of things. So, but yeah, I'm she, she cannot wait to go see it next week.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And look, there's a couple of things we can discuss on the next uh, podcast as well. One of the films I've been absolutely looking forward to all year ever since i saw it i I saw the first sneak stuff around this back in april where they released some stuff to the industry and i was like oh that looks awesome which is ridley scott's epic napoleon that is to me is going to be one of the key films of this year in my opinion it's just in terms of like grandeur spectacle ridley scott made gladiator you know so he's got these epic films under his belt and of course Joaquin Phoenix who plays Napoleon is um, the titular character and he was in uh, Gladiator as well so they've worked together they've got history and I think that it, those guys reuniting this promises to be an epic film I'm I really can't wait for it to come out. It opens on November twenty third, so we'll definitely be talking about it next, next time.
0: Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix—he's just such a great actor, isn't he? I mean, anything he's in, he's just incredible. Oh, was it was it Walk the Line? Johnny Gash? was that? Yes, oh, yeah, yeah. He's just so good in that.
1: He, he, and it's interesting because he sometimes comes across like when you see him at awards shows, and he comes along as quite aloof and quite sort of nonplussed and uninterested in the industry, but clearly he his talent um you know i forgive him some of those quirky things he does because his talent's impressive and you know you only have to look at the joker movie that came out a couple of years ago to see how good an actor he can be and of course he's reun- he's reuniting with his joker character for 2024 so he's alongside lady gaga who plays harley quinn and that, I mean, that casting alone is enough to make me say like, I cannot wait to see Joker two in twenty twenty four. So he's going to have a couple of big years, isn't he? He absolutely is. And look, he he reminds me of Brando, like a Marlon Brando character. Like he's he he sits outside of Hollywood, he does his own thing. But you know, when they need an actor who they can call on to just come in and deliver it, a commanding performance, and and actually own the character, like you know, a lot of actors these days. You see them like Hugh Jackman. You see Hugh Jackman in anything, and you go, "Oh, it's Hugh Jackman and his son." Like, it's Hugh Jackman and his son's like. But when I watch McLean Phoenix, like he just he lose, I lose myself in his character because you don't see him sitting there going, "Oh, that's McLean Phoenix." you say, oh, that's, that's Napoleon, you
0: know? Yeah, and he never looks the same. I mean, look at look at this transformation in Joker, and you know, I've seen the trailer for Napoleon, just looks amazing and incredible, so yeah, I can't wait for that one too, and maybe next time we'll talk about the movie I went to see too, One Life. I know it's not out till Boxing Day, but we'll be in December soon, and then it'll be all good. Excellent, mate. Alright, well, should we wrap it up, and we'll uh, give our predictions? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so uh, what are we going to do? Last week we did two box office predictions, and I think it might be worth us doing two more. Um, one for the Marvels, and then one for the Hunger Games. Okay, all right. Well, you've seen the Marvels, so I'll let you go first on your one, and I'll, I'll think about it. I'm torn with this one. I want to give it
1: I want to give it a big number, because the industry could do with a blockbuster, but I'm going to say 1.1 million.
0: All right, I'm going to go for 950,000. Okay, nah, fair enough. Nah,
1: and, and, I, and you know what, I, I I was almost tempted to put it on par with Five Nights at Freddy's box office at about 985,000 or something, but um, I'm going to go and assume that people will
0: go and see the money. Okay, Hunger Games. Okay, Hunger Games, I'm going to go 1.5 million. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think it's probably got a
1: little bit more, I don't know, a, a little bit, I guess a little bit less poor press at the moment in terms of things people are saying about it. So I'm going to go with 1. 1.3. 1. Yeah, I think 1.3. That's
0: good. Now if we're in that ballpark, that'll be great for cinema in New Zealand for sure. Absolutely. Excellent. All right, Ross. Hey, well, thanks for that, and we'll catch up next time. Terrific. Cheers, mate. Thanks for listening to Eat, Sleep, Movie, Repeat. Repeat. A movie podcast available at Buzzsprout, Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.